Welcome to Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, a movie lover. And I'm Sonia, a movie not lover. My mission is to make Sonia watch all the movies she's never seen. And my mission is to watch more movies and not always have to say, Nope, Never Saw It. So we started this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So Gina? Yes, Sonia? I'm ready. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Nope, Never Saw It. I'm Gina, and with me always is the beautiful Sonia. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> I was like bracing for what it was going to be. And <laughs> as always, you delivered. Well, thank you. And as always, I just let the spirit move me and the notes mm-hmm. where they needed to go. As they should. As they should. As they should. Sonia, it is so lovely to see your face. It is so lovely to see your face. Thank you. And I see you're sporting a fish t-shirt. Is this a new one? I am. No, this is from 2019, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yes, this is from 2019 when we saw them at SPAC in Saratoga Springs, New York. Nice. Thank you. Nice. It looks like a racetrack because I think there's a racetrack in Saratoga, though I have never been there. There is, I hear. Yes, because mm-hmm. there's a big horseshoe on it. Oh, on yeah. Your t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Yep. And there's a horse face, too. I don't know if you can see it. I see the horse face. Yeah. Hi, horsey. Mm-hmm. It is very warm out today. It is so warm out today. I I just got back from track practice and it was so warm that I could feel the sun, like the rays penetrating my t-shirt. And I'm pretty confident that my back is burned, even though I'm covered. Oh gosh. And I'm probably over-exaggerating. I'm sure I'm fine, but that's what it felt like today. You might be though. Cause I feel like it can sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I'm so happy to see you though. I'm happy to see you too. And I'm excited to talk about Gattaca today, but before we get into it, uh, we are going to start with our traditional friendship. So Sonia, my friend share today is actually related to our podcast in a way. Nice. So remember a few episodes ago, we talked about whiplash. Mm -hmm. And so I recently showed that film to my film classes and the whole time I was, you know, sort of like doing work, but also kind of watching the film with them. And they were so excited about the movie. And as I was talking to them about the movie, I was sharing with them all of these interesting things that you and I had talked about and all of these things that I had learned when I did research for our podcast. Um, And And like, I was so animated when I was talking about the film and so excited, more excited, I think, than I was talking about any other film I showed them this year that all of a sudden I, I was talking and talking and I was really excited. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, is this my new favorite movie? (gasps) Wow. I don't know if it's my new favorite movie. Wait, what was your old favorite movie? Well, it's been the Shawshank Redemption. It's been like my number one favorite film, but I, if anything, like whiplash is, I think it's creeping into my top five. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you should watch it again with that in mind and Mm -hmm. then report back. Maybe I should again. Mm -hmm. That would be a lot of viewings of whiplash in a month, but you know what? Yeah. I guess if it's like now one of my favorite movies, I wouldn't mind it so much. Yeah. But even if you, so, okay, it's May 12th today if you Mm -hmm. maybe if you do this like end of the summer give yourself a little space okay I think I I think I need it because it is a pretty heavy film yeah it's intense as as you know as we've discussed 
but yeah, I think I, I think I need to really think about this because I've had a pretty solid top five for years, but I think it needs to change and that's okay. Yeah, it should change. As we always talk about, sometimes when you watch a film at a different point in your life, it's going to impact you differently. So yeah, this is just further proof of that. Yeah. I love that. I love that our podcast has made you shift your thinking in your favorite films. It really has. I love it. I really do. (laughs) Well, I love you. Oh, thank you. Um, well, we were supposed to record yesterday and I had texted you saying like, oh, I know we put this on the calendar, but I didn't know, um, I didn't know what the Rangers, the New York Rangers hockey playoff schedule would be. And I was laughing to myself because I didn't like really, I mean, honestly, I probably would have moved the recording anyway for a playoff game, but Sean and I actually went to the game last night, um, And they, it was a game where if they had lost, they would have been eliminated from the playoffs, but they won and they killed it. And it was so, so much fun. I think it was the best hockey game I've ever been to. And, uh, Trey from fish was also at the game. Stop it. (laughs) Worlds collide. Oh my goodness. Where were you sitting anywhere near him or did they just highlight him? Um, well, they highlighted him and actually he goes to a, a lot of Rangers games because um, he lives in the city and I think his dad maybe is the Rangers fan. Apparently he is a Flyers fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got there, I was like, oh, I wonder if Trey's here. And then they showed him like they always do like the New York celebrities. So also uh, James Gandolfini's son was there. Okay. Um, a basketball player from the Knicks was there. Um, and maybe other people that I can't remember were there, but they showed Trey first and I was like, oh, I knew he is there or I knew he would be here. (laughs) That was English. And then we found him in the crowd. Like we, he was sitting near us, but like way, way, like our seats were up in the two hundreds and he was down by the ice. Um, and we were able to see him. That's so cool. I didn't mean for this to turn into a fish story, but it, it did. You know who you're talking to. I know who you're talking I know who I'm talking to. I feel like most of your stories inevitably turn into a fish story. And that's cool. And it's funny because when you had texted me asking if we could change the, the date and you and you said I forgot it was the Rangers playoffs, I was thinking, oh, I didn't know that. You know, that was I mean, I know I didn't know that you were going to the game. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't explain it. <laughs> I was, I was like, Oh, okay. I guess she and Sean want to like, just chill out and watch the game. That's cool. But then when I saw a picture from Instagram of you at the game, I was like, Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. I, okay. but I, I probably would have moved it anyway, even if we didn't go to the game, but yeah. oh, well, I was oh, there. Well. It was good. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, let's see. I mean, I'm sure the next episode, I'll be talking about how they're now out of the playoffs. Well, you know what? Let's just send out all those positive vibes, Sonia, and maybe they'll still be in it. And let's drink to the Rangers. I was just going to say cheers to the Rangers. Cheers to the Rangers. And Gina, we are drinking today a gin and tonic, which is one of my favorite cocktails. Really? Mm -hmm. So I love them because they're so easy to make. And I also really like gin and I mm-hmm. also really like tonic water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like today ended up being a perfect day for it. Like a gin and tonic is like a perfect, like sit outside when it's sunny and hot and enjoy this refreshing gin and tonic. Yeah. Um, did you put any lime juice in yours or a squeeze I, of lime? I didn't, but I kind of wish I did because mine's, I think the tonic 
tonic water is a little more bitter than mm-hmm. regular seltzer water. And I'm not a big gin drinker, so it's very refreshing. Uh, but as I, when I took my first couple of sips, I was thinking to myself, I wish this was a little sweeter, mm. like just a little bit. So I think if I had added some lime juice um, or like a squeeze of lime, I, I think I would enjoy it a little bit more, but I like it. Yeah. I think the squeeze of lime really makes the gin pop. Um, so originally I had chosen a vodka tonic, which Mm -hmm. as you recall, I had texted you that. Um, and I wonder, would you have liked that more? Um, that's a good question. I do prefer vodka over gin. So Mm -hmm. it is possible. Okay. Um, and I chose originally, I chose the vodka tonic because, um, in the film, there's a lot of scenes where you see them drinking something. Mm-hmm. And at first I almost did a vodka martini. Like I know we did a dirty martini before and I almost did a vodka martini, not dirty, but then I felt like that was just too similar. Um, and as you know, I've been trying to do some more just classic drinks just because, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of what this is all about. Um, And Jude Law's character seems to have a preference for vodka and just kind of is always drinking vodka. Right. Every (laughs) scene he's in. Um, But then I chose a gin and tonic because it has the G-A-T-C in it. Oh, Sonia. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's almost like gin and tonic. G-A. Oh, my gosh. Yep. It's almost like an acronym for it. Yep. Well, that is really fucking clever. Thank you. I thought about it as I texted you about a vodka tonic. And then as I was falling asleep that night, I was like, ah, we should do a gin and tonic. You know, what's kind of sad is that I've seen Gattaca so many times and it wasn't until this time around when I was watching it with Lee and at the end of the film, he was saying, why do you, he's like, why did they call the company Gattaca? And, And I was like, I don't know. I mean, Maybe it just sounds like a cool futuristic name. And he goes, no, no, no. He's like, I know, because I know that they use the letters for, you know, the DNA. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, G-A-T-C. <laughs> and I, I had no idea. And I was like, oh, but he was wondering why the, the company is called Gattaca because the company doesn't have anything to do with DNA uh, research. It's all about space exploration. So, so it's interesting because I, as the opening credits were starting, cause as you know, from my summary, and I won't say too much, I thought Gattaca was the name of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the opening was starting and they were like highlighting the letters, mm-hmm. I had like a flashback to my ninth grade biology class. And my first, um, my first note that I wrote down is, is Gattaca a gene code? So I wonder if like, it's the G-A-T-T-A-C-A that like, maybe is like the gene code for perfection or something. I, you know what, well, we'll get into that, but I, from what I read it, I don't think it's an, I don't think Gattaca is an actual code. I wonder if they had put the letters together. They wanted to use those letters and come up with an interesting name. I mean, that's probably the reality. Yeah, I bet right? you. I bet you somewhere Lauren is screaming the answer because mm-hmm. she probably knows because she's a doctor, a scientist doctor. And my, and my sister too, who I consulted for this podcast 
Oh, so sweet. I have yes. some, I have some information, but we'll, we'll get to that. But before we get to any of that, let's, let's like introduce the film. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. I'm so, so get- excited. I just was jumping. Oh, ahead. I know <laughs> me too. Right. We're like going off book and I love it. All right, here we go. Gattaca was released in 1997, directed by Andrew Nichol, written by Andrew Nichol, starring Ethan Hawke as Vincent, Uma Thurman as Irene, and Jude Law as Jerome. So, Sonia, in the tradition of Nope Never Saw It, I have made a list of titles that are connected to each of these names I have just read. I'm going to share these titles with you. And if you have seen the movie, you'll say, of course, Gina, I've seen it. And if you haven't seen the movie, what do you say? Nope, never saw it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. So Andrew Nichol, who directed Gattaca, also directed The Host. Nope. Never even heard of it. I, you know, it's funny. I added it to this because I thought I, I think I've seen it, but now I can't remember what movie it is. Who's in, <laughs> who's in it? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> the Host. Oh no, I've never seen this. <laughs> Lies, lies. Uh, Cersei Ronan, Max Irons, Jake Abel is in it. When an unseen enemy threatens mankind by taking over their bodies and erasing their memories, Melanie Strider risks everything to protect the people she cares about. Nope, never saw it. All right, same. I've never seen it either. Um, he, but, and he also wrote the screenplay for Gattaca and he also wrote the screenplay for this film, which I think you have seen, The Truman Show. Yes, I love that movie. Okay, me too. All right, Ethan Hawke, we already talked about when we discussed Dead Poet Society. So we're revisiting Ethan Hawke, who plays Vincent. And I um, I added these two films to the list um, of films that maybe you may or may not have seen. Reality Bites. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. That's the one with Winona Ryder in it too. I believe and... so. Nope. Never saw it, but I really, really, really want to see it. Okay. So I'm just saying. Okay. Well, you know, I've never seen it either. <gasps> I know. Is, are we allowed to do that? Of course we are. I've even okay. been thinking maybe I should throw in some movies that neither of us have seen. Yeah. Like a double nope, never saw it. A double nope, never saw it. Nope, never saw it squared oh. or a double nope, never saw it. I, I like it. I think we can throw that in. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. All right. He was also in the film Great Expectations. Nope. Never saw it. Okay. Uma Thurman played Irene. We saw it when we talked about Pulp Fiction, but I didn't list off any Uma Thurman films. That was our first episode. And I just listed off Quentin Tarantino films. It was really hard to pick just a few Uma Thurman movies, but these are the ones that I am picking for today's episode. Dangerous Liaisons. Nope. Never saw it. Okay. The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Nope, never saw it. I feel like you would like this one because there's a dog in it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and possibly also cats. Uh, maybe, but mostly uh, mostly there's a dog. Okay. Well, I like yeah. I like cats too. Okay. All right. And then Jude Law, who played Jerome. Again, it was hard to narrow down just a few Jude Law films, but this is what I chose for today: the talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, I've seen that. Okay, and closer. Uh. Is Julia Roberts in that? Mm-hmm. And Natalie I think Portman. I have seen that. Okay. Okay. All right. Not too bad, Sonia. All right. Um, and moving on to our Friends Connection in our effort to prove that the television show Friends is the center of all things. I have a few 
friends connections. And so many of them lead back to Jennifer Aniston. I feel like maybe we've mentioned this in one of our other episodes. Maybe she is the center of all things. I don't know anymore. Did you find any friends connections, Sonia? I have one. Okay. Apparently Danny DeVito is a producer on this Mm -hmm. movie. And he was in the episode with the one with the, where the stripper cries. I think yes. is what the episode is called and at Phoebe's bachelorette party and he is uh he plays a stripper he is uh his stripper costume is a cop and he does his last dance for Phoebe at her bachelorette party that's a good one that's a good one that's a really good connection thank you so the ones that I had uh the first one is Tony Shaloub. I feel bad I think I'm pronouncing his last name no wrong. I think that's right Shaloub, Tony Shaloub from Monk yeah. I love um, him by the I way. I do too, right? He plays he's his his character is called German mm-hmm. <laughs> on IMDb. He was in the film How Do You Know with Reese Witherspoon and Paul Rudd, both who were on Friends. Yep. Um Alan Arkin, who plays Detective Hugo, was an Argo, which also starred Tate Donovan, who plays Joshua. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Alan Arkin was also in Marley and Me, which starred Jennifer Aniston. That's a movie I can never watch. Yeah, I know. And then my last one is Ken Marino, who has like a really small part in this film, was in the film Wanderlust, which also stars Jennifer Aniston. And Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd, you're right. Oh Mm -hmm. my goodness. And that's what I have. Those are good. I think these are all solid. Yeah. I feel like your Danny DeVito one is probably the most solid because he was in an episode of Friends. Yeah. You know, that's always what I try to aim for. I know. I know. I'm more of like a six degrees of separation. I like yours. I'm just a rule follower. So I know. And I, and, and I admire you for that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sonia, in our last episode, when I told you we were going to be watching Gattaca, I asked you what you thought the movie was about. Are you ready to hear your original plot summary read back to you word for word? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Sonia's original plot summary for the film Gattaca. It's sci-fi. I'm assuming Gattaca is a planet and there's some sort of war that has to be fought between, maybe it's like two, like a human race and then some sort of alien race and they're fighting over the planet and it's in the future. So I had the very first part and the very last part, right? That it's sci-fi and it's in the future. Yes, yes. But everything else was wrong. But you know what? That's a movie I'd see. I think so. I mean, it's not certainly a plot that I made up from the sky. It's true. You know, like many movies are out there like that. Right. Okay. Um, Well, Gina, are you ready for my real plot summary? I am ready. Okay. Here we go. If you had the power to choose to be perfect, would you do it? Victor Freeman would. Desperate for an opportunity to travel to space, Victor teams up with Jerome Eugene Morrow, and they devise a plan that allows Victor to appear as a valid human and allows him to finally be part of the next space mission. Victor's chances at achieving his dream seem to be getting closer until there's a murder and he's the prime, a murder and he's the prime suspect. Now, even with the help of Irene, his beautiful colleague, and Eugene, the true owner of Victor's valid identity, all that he's been working towards may be lost. That was lovely. Thank you. That was really, really good. I think that's one of your best plot summaries. Really? Yet. I think so. 
Really? I wasn't so sure about it. So I really liked it. I appreciate the positive feedback. Oh, anytime. (laughs) It's what I do. Well, I have so many things that I want to talk about related to this film. And it's interesting. So much, so many of my notes aren't so much about the film, but about what the film's about. Does that make sense? And I know we always start, we always start with my first, my first impressions. I mean, I, I've, I've just always really liked this film. I always thought that the story was really intriguing. And I feel like it's the kind of story that is timeless, you know, because whether or not it comes to the world being like this, um, where people are genetically, you know, manufacturing or engineering their unborn children to be a certain way. Um, it, I think that it's such an interesting allegory. It could be an allegory for so many different things. And I think that's, that's something that I definitely appreciate about this film, that even though it's about this one specific thing, genoism, um, I, I think you can relate it to so many other things that are going on in the world that have gone on in the past that could go on in the future, or even that are happening now. Um, and I even, you know, with some of the things that are going on in current events now, um, it crossed my mind how, um, how timely us talking about this movie is, uh, we don't need to get into that, but, um, but, uh, before I get into like, or either of us get into like our specific notes, I have a lot of science stuff in here. All right. Um, I want to know what you thought of the film, Sonia. What was your first impression? So I obviously was like very surprised. (laughs) (laughs) That it wasn't about a planet. (laughs) Yeah, I was very surprised, period. Um, Though I, as I said before, I sort of like kind of figured it out in the beginning when they were highlighting all the letters. And then I had Mm -hmm. my little flashback to eighth grade biology class. Um, So it was it was definitely really interesting, especially again, like not really knowing what it was going to be about or Mm -hmm. what the, I knew it was sci-fi, but like, was it sci-fi and a romance or sci-fi and a drama or sci-fi and a mystery? And it was kind of all of those things. Yeah. Um, Dystopia. Like, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, And I also loved how, even though I knew it was in the future, the way that and I think a lot of it was like the costumes and the cars, mm-hmm. a lot of it, I was like, but this feels like the 1950s. So I sort yeah. of like, one of the things I really enjoyed about the film was just like, it's sort of, you know, you don't really know when it's happening. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that just kind of added to a lot of the the mystery of the film, which I think plays out in a lot of different ways, both with like the murder that happens, but then also like, what is Victor's deal? What is Eugene's deal? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching it. I think it absolutely held my attention. Um, and whoever, I mean, it's a really interesting and clever story. You know, it's so funny. Like as you're talking, you, you had my, my gears turning because especially when you're saying how it had this 1950s look to it, 
which I totally agree with. And I, I watched it with Lee and he had even said at the end, he, we were talking about the aesthetics and he said, it, it looked like what the 1950s thought the future would look like. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. And, but you're absolutely right. You know, the, the, the cars, even though they're electric cars, they, they have that, you know, 1950s feel the costuming so much about it. And, and I, I was also thinking about how, just when you were talking, how it has almost like a, a film noir, mm-hmm. you know, element to it, because you have your, your narrator, you have your every man who gets caught up in, in a situation. You don't necessarily have a femme fatale, but I, I think like there are moments early on in the film where, especially the first time I saw it, I wasn't quite sure how Irene fit into the story. Um, there's, there's the mystery element to it. Although, I mean, things work out for our hero in the end. So it it doesn't have that noir ending to it, but it does have like traces of that genre mixed in, which is kind of cool. So it's really almost like this, um, this like interesting, uh, salad of like totally. <laughs> different genres and, and things mixed together, which is kind of cool. So, which might be another reason why, even after what's it been now to almost 25 years, I, I think the film holds up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I had read, I want to get into some of, some of the science stuff, if you don't mind. No, I would love to hear it. So I had read that and I, and I think there's an alternate ending. Did you see the alternate ending? No. Online? Oh, okay. So apparently the director had a different ending that he wanted for the film. And it was, um, it was, uh, this commentary. So it was a background shot of the sky with all the stars and he would flash pictures of famous people who, if we had been, if we had had the capability to genetically engineer our children, these people would not have existed. Albert Einstein, Vincent van Gogh, Emily Dickinson, um, uh, Stephen Hawkins. So, and, and what, and so you'd see these, these pictures of these people fade in and out on the screen and next to their pictures, it would be whatever their um, illness or uh, you know, whatever they had going on their affliction, whatever it was like Mm -hmm. that would come up on the screen. And then it ended with, um, you know, basically saying like, and actually none of you would have been born (laughs) because we're all, because we're all imperfect. But I guess, uh, test audiences didn't really like that ending. They didn't like walking away from a film feeling like they were completely flawed and worthless. Yeah. So, um, so they, they changed the ending to what we see now, but he had also, but it also came up in the ending that, um, that scientists were in the process of, um, mapping out, uh, human DNA. So, and this was called the human genome product project. Um, and so I had tried to read what it was. So I tried to do some research and my brain just shut down because I am a, uh, liberal arts person. I am not a science person. So I reached out to my sister, excellent, brilliant scientist, and who's always really good at explaining science to people like me. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had asked um, if she could send a voice recording, but she's sick. So so she's really, really sick, but she did write something out. So I'm going to read to you what she 
what she said. And but she, is, perhaps she could have had a sexy, sick, sick voice like I did in the last episode. I know, right? Yeah, but she, yeah, she's really not feeling well. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to push it, but she had already sent me what, um, what she had written up. So this is from my sister, Nicole, the scientist. This is her description or explanation of the Human Genome Project. She says, the Human Genome Project was an ambitious project started in 1990 with the goal of making a detailed genetic map of human DNA. DNA is essentially an organism's instruction manual. It's made of long strands of four nucleotides, abbreviated G, A, T, and C, just like you learned in biology, Sonia. (laughs) These strands are millions or even hundreds of millions of nucleotides long, and the specific order of those Gs, As, Ts, and Cs are codes for making proteins. DNA structure is a double helix, like a twisted ladder, just like the staircase in, yep. in Jerome's uh, apartment. And a twisted ladder, like a broken ladder or, or a double, what was it called? A, a double helix. No, no, no. But he kept oh. calling himself like a something ladder. Oh, a borrowed ladder. A borrowed ladder. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're right. Yeah. The rungs of which are pairs of G's with C's or T's with A's. This structure is important for both the stability of the DNA molecule and the ability to make accurate copies of DNA when a cell replicates. The Human Genome Project set out to determine the sequence of human DNA or the order of the roughly 3 billion pairs of G's, A's, T's, and C's that are present in every cell of our body. This just sounds like impossible to me. I don't even know how, okay. But anyway, from there, scientists could determine which proteins are coded by each gene, where those genes are located on our chromosomes and start to understand the effects of changes in the DNA sequence of certain genes. Like for example, genes linked to breast cancer. The project was a huge international collaboration and helped advance DNA sequencing technologies and complex data analysis programs. The first draft human genome was published in 2003. So this was what six years after Gattaca came out, 13 years after the project began and covered about 85% of the total genome. Work has continued to fill in the gaps, including publication of the Y chromosome in January of 2022. The approximately 25,000 genes have all been identified. We now have better genetic predictors of certain cancers and other diseases, the ability to tailor medical treatments to patients based on their genetic code, and a greater understanding of human evolution. I have two comments. Okay. One, Nicole, you are amazing. Thank you. I know. That was so helpful and Mm -hmm. like really easy to understand. (laughs) I know I could not have explained it like this. No. (laughs) And secondly, how did people figure all of this shit out? That's what I'm saying. I don't, I, my brain does not compute any of this. It's so, it's just so incredible to me that this is even able to be done, but we're learning from what Nicole shared with us that this started in 1990. So when, so when Andrew Nichol wrote the screenplay, you know, this was after the human genome project was underway. So he was writing this sort of as a, almost like speculating what could happen mm-hmm. once we are able to, you know, fully have a detailed genetic map of human DNA and what, we could do with it, which I mean, really raises an interesting point. Like 
you know, they call it genoism in the film, this, this idea that you people who are, what do they call them? God's children versus people who are genetically engineered. Like if you're, if you, if you are like, were brought into the world in a natural way, you're an invalid. Um, but it, but it does raise this question about like, and something that I've thought about and I wrote in my notes, um, like if we, if this leads us to be able to genetically engineer children in a way where we could, let's say, eliminate a gene that makes us predisposed to cancer, for example, mm-hmm. could, should we be allowed to tamper with the DNA or does be like, does giving us the right and the ability to do that lead to us changing other things too? Like, well, if we're going to change that, might as well give them blue eyes, you know, like, right. Where do you draw the line? It's like, what does we, op- are we opening a Pandora's box? Well, and yeah. I think that that's what the film is asking. Right. Yeah. I think that's the debate of like, what's, what should you have the right, if anything, to make the decision about, because it's like, if, you know, I can get behind eliminating things that will ultimately be for the greater good, like not having people die of horrible diseases, but you know, should you be able to choose your child's sex? Should you be able to choose their eye color? Like those are things that it's such a, you know, you can take one side or the other or have no opinion, but I think those are the things where it's less, um, it's less clear if you should make those decisions or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that, that I like about this film is that it shows how, if we were to go down that path, how flawed that system is, not just because now you're creating a society that marginalizes a certain group of people for reasons that might not necessarily even be accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also have these people who are supposed to be, who have been genetically engineered to be as close to perfection as one can be, but they're not really, they're not all like necessarily fulfilling that expectation, like, like Jerome, Eugene. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then like the pressure that it puts on them when something goes wrong. Yeah. What were, what were some other things that stood out to you about the film? Um, This is moving away from the science piece a bit. That's fine. But um, one thing that I found so interesting about the film was that there's, there are a lot of like random people in it. So you mentioned Ken Marino has a really small role. Mm -hmm. So does Maya Rudolph. She's one of the delivery nurses when uh, Victor is being born. Mm -hmm. Then Gabrielle Reese, who's like a, um, volleyball player is the Gattaca trainer. Then Blair Underwood played a geneticist. Yeah. And then Dean Norris is one of the like Gattaca cops. Like, it's just so interesting that, and that, and he's, I think he's a little less random. I feel like he maybe was just like starting his acting career. Um, but it is just kind of interesting that there's all these like small pockets of famous people. And even right. Tony Shalhoub, like his role isn't that big. Yeah. And then we have Elias. Uh, I forgot to say his last name. Oh yeah. Yep. Cotias. Cotias from Face Off. 
Oh, oh my God. I didn't even put that together. Right. Yeah. We have him and, and the actress who plays his wife and Vincent and Anton's mother, Jane Brooke. Mm-hmm. I believe she's the same actress that was in don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Right. Isn't she the annoying sister she of the guy? is right that's why she's so familiar yeah yeah oh my god yep i know the receptionist yes yep yep and and lauren dean who plays anton do you know who he is oh i looked and i forgot he's joe from say anything oh my god yeah joe lies oh my god i totally <laughs> forgot about him yeah yeah. No, you're right. There are so many. It It's interesting that it's such a, in retrospect, a, a very star-studded cast. A very star-studded cast. And then also the film that got Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman together. Yes. Which they were like, you know, a 90s power couple. Yeah. Or I guess 90s, early 2000 power couple. Yeah. Um, and it was funny when you picked the movie, I knew that they were both in it. And I was wondering if they got together during the film or if they were already together and like wanted to work together. The answer is they got together during the film or after, but. Everything I read said that it was during the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also wanted to talk a little bit about people's names because Mm -hmm. apparently every, pretty much every character has a significant name. Um, but the one that I specifically want to talk about is Jude Law's character because we were talking so much about genes. Um, so he is Jerome, but then when Ethan Hawke's character, Victor, takes on the Jerome personality or, or persona, um, Jude Law says, call me my middle name, which is Eugene. Mm-hmm. And Eugene comes from the Greek for well-born, which mm-hmm. he is. And then eugenics, as you have talked about, is the science of improving the hereditary qualities of a race or a breed, which is the central theme of the film. So that is all very fascinating. It is very fascinating. Um, And then I didn't see this in the list. Like I saw something on IMDb specifically calling out what all the different names are. Mm -hmm. Um, And it mentions Freeman, but... The reason it gives is not the one that I thought of myself, which is that Freeman is free man. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel as though Victor's character in a way is kind of a free man because he's kind of, you know, he's, even though he's called invalid, part of me feels like there's almost a little bit more freedom in being an invalid in this film only because there isn't that level of expectation that is set on you. So you're able to be flawed. You're able to be human as we define human today, which is that people are not perfect and whether people may or may not look genetically perfect, like there's no expectation that you are perfect. Um, And so I just thought that that was kind of interesting um, and maybe, maybe purposeful, but I didn't, I didn't see that specific reason for his name in any of the research that I did. Yeah. I, it, that makes me think about, I, I really like what you said. Cause I was thinking the exact same thing. And in a way there is a little bit of freedom in being an invalid, because like you said, you don't have to live up to expectations. And it made me think of Irene's character because we find out that she has, she's taking pills for a, is a heart condition, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
so and but then and then that's making me wonder well how is it that she is able to work at Gattaca mm-hmm. because if she has a heart condition then that means that you know she she's imperfect or was she was she genetically engineered but just didn't turn out you know the way she was supposed to I thought that too and they don't explain it which kind of bothered me yeah um, but also just to close the loop. So for Vincent, um, his name means he shall conquer, which they mm-hmm. say is what a free man does. But I thought that explanation was not as good as mine. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe he should, he shall conquer the free man because yeah, maybe his, uh, ballads are, are free and he's not. And he, I don't know. Yeah. I, I looked up some other names too. Um, Anton. Uh, I couldn't find, I, whenever I looked up it, they didn't have like known specific origins, but the, the name Anton is meant to mean priceless. Okay. Um, Irene is Greek for peace. And then there was, uh, you probably saw this too, that her last name Cassini, uh, is the surname of the 17th century Italian astronomer, Giovanni Domenico Cassini. Mm -hmm. And he is the person who discovered the prominent gap in Saturn's main rings. Um, and someone had to do it. (laughs) Someone had to do it. Right. And that's where, that's where Vincent is headed towards Saturn for his, for his launch. Um, and then Jerome is Greek, has Greek origins and it means sacred name. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then I looked up Hugo, which was the detective and it has Spanish, German, and Portuguese origins. And it means mind or intellect, which I thought was interesting because he's really, it is interesting though, because the, you know, we know that Vincent didn't murder this, this guy, um, the commissioner. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but even though Hugo is sort of like focusing his investigation on this invalid that who we know is Victor and we know Victor didn't do it. Um, there's still like, he still seems to be, if anything, pursuing Vincent, like rightly pursuing him, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cause technically Vincent shouldn't be there. He's there uh, illegally, but um, not for murder, but not for murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also saw, um, so detective Hugo's name is detective Hugo cold spring, apparently. Okay. Um, and Hugo is supposed to represent human genome organization, which operates out of the cold spring Harbor laboratory. Oh, Okay. There's definitely a lot of thought given to all of the names of these characters. And I think, and I honestly, I think that's a credit to the writing as well, because I, I, you know, I do really like the story. I think that I do think the story is, is really interesting and and very clever. Um, And, and I just think that, you know, the, the detail in the story is very compelling. I also did like a little bit of a deep dive on leg lengthening <laughs> surgery. 
Yeah, you had uh, mentioned that. And <laughs> although I'm a slightly terrified to hear this, I'm more interested. Okay, because I wanted to know if this was really a thing. Because I also read that apparently NASA employees voted this as the most accurate science fiction film. Yep, I saw that too. I was really surprised about for certain reasons that we'll get into when we get to our categories. But I was, but I really wanted to know, like, how, how really accurate is this? And and the whole leg extension surgery just seems so over the top, but apparently it's an actual thing. It is an actual procedure that people can have done. Um, there is there, first there's limb lengthening procedures, and that is more for people who may have an imbalance in their, in the length of their limbs. So they might have like one arm that's shorter than the other or one leg that's shorter than the other. And like having one leg that's shorter than the other can actually lead to a lot of other oh, issues yeah. over Your time and would be totally messed up, completely messed up. Right. Um, so, you know, so people who want to have that corrected could have it corrected with that procedure, but then there are people who just, who want to be taller for whatever reason. Um, so, uh, so they could undergo a leg lengthening surgery like Skilo. Remember that song? <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> so um so this is this is what this is what the process entails. What they do is they they drill a hole into the leg bones and then they break the bones in two and this is like the shin the shin area. Okay, yeah, I was going to say which leg bone. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um then they uh surgically fit a metal rod inside and they, they hold it in place with screws Mm -hmm. and then the rod. And then they have, just like we saw in the film where Vincent had those like braces around his legs when he's just lying on the floor in the shape of Jesus Christ in agony. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are used to slowly lengthen the rod up to one millimeter each day. And they do this until the patient reaches the desired height. And once they do that, they have then the bones and the nerves and the tissue and and all of that heals back together. But it takes a lot of time. Um, The it's I read that the patient it could take up to several months. and, and this is after of a, a real rehabilitation to build up mobility because you essentially have to learn how to walk all over again. I bet. Yeah. Um, there's one person that I read about Sam Becker who had his legs lengthened three inches. Um, and he was in physical therapy for three to four times a week for a few hours at a time for six months. Okay. Um, there was another patient I read about Barney. Um, he had leg lengthening surgery at the age of 46 and because he was a little older, um, his bones didn't fully grow back. So for a long period of time, he had a three inch gap in his shin. So there'd be bone metal rod and then bone. Um, so he couldn't have the rods removed until five years after his surgery. Oh my God. And then there's all these other risks of complications, um, nerve damage, muscle damage, joint contracture, dislocations, arthritis, uh, blood clots. Um, again, the possibility of bones not fusing back together. Uh, so it's, it's a very intense, painful procedure. Um, so I, 
you know, and I, and I assumed that it, I mean, in the, when I'm watching the film, I, I don't, the first time I saw it, I didn't think that that was even possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought, okay, you know, it's, that's something that they're just making up, but it is an actual thing. Um, and it was actually, it's, it's existed, um, since, uh, World War II. So it was, uh, the technique was pioneered by Gavril Ilizarov. He was a Soviet doctor um, and uh, he was treating injured soldiers that were coming back from the war. Uh, yeah, so. Um, That's another thing that like, how do you figure out you can do that? I don't know. <laughs> how do you map the human, how do you map human DNA? I don't understand any of it, Sonia. No. No, this is above my pay grade. <laughs> Very much above my pay grade. But I, I think I think this, you know, reading about this, and I even texted you with like the, the barf emoji because mm-hmm. it was making me really dizzy reading about all of this. Um, but, it, you know, it, it speaks to Vincent's commitment uh, to his mission. To his mission. Which I have a question about. Okay. And maybe I miss this because I feel like I do tend to miss things in movies. When so he's like dying to go to space. Yeah. And when they get there, what do they do? Well, they he's going to be exploring what was it, Titus? Uh-huh. The one of the moons of Saturn. Is it Titus or Titan? Titan. Okay. So he, yeah, so he's going to be exploring Titan, which is one of the moons of Saturn. Again, that ties into that. We have that connection um, with Irene's last name, Cassini, Mm -hmm. um, who uh, discovered the prominent gap in Saturn's main rings, as well as the icy moons, Epidus, Dione, Rhea, and Tethys. I'm probably butchering all of those names because of this gin and tonic. That's okay. (laughs) Well, okay. I guess I suppose just being there, like the exploration and learning new things and like being a pioneer is reason enough. But I was like, is there like a party? Like, what do they do there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. All we know is that he's going to explore the moon. Um, because remember that scene where he's with, uh, Eugene and they're celebrating because his launch is still happening, even though there's just been a murder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second movie in a row where there's been a murder, Sonia. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. So, um, and he and Jerome or Eugene asks Vincent, it's so hard. I don't know where to call. I don't know who to call who anymore. Anyway, I know. Jerome asks Vincent what it, what's on Titan. And then Vincent breathes smoke into his brandy glass or his wine glass and, and he's, and it's just, and he's like, you know, basically like, this is all it is. So, so Titan is just covered in clouds and, um, they don't know what's underneath, but in 2005, they did discover ground under the clouds. So there is something there, that's but yeah, interesting. but that's, um, but that's the mission that he sent out for, but I don't blame you for not knowing what specifically he's going to be doing because he's not really dressed for space exploration in my opinion. (laughs) And it also like, I don't know that I would go through all the things that he went through to like explore a planet that no one knows really anything about. And I might die there. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. I get it. I think I wonder if part of it is that he has been told his entire life that he's flawed 
and he wants to do something extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I, and I think that this, this seems like one of the most extraordinary things he believes he can do. And he's always, you know, especially with, we learn in the, you know, those montages of his childhood that he's always been fascinated by space you know, there's that scene of him in the parking lot counting out the steps of the, with the solar system that he's made Mm -hmm. while his brother Anton is just being kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Again, moving away from our topic at hand. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the scene where they cross the street, he and Irene. Okay. He has just ditched his contact lenses. Yeah. Um, and also that scene is interesting because I like, I think, I mean, that's clearly the first scene where Irene is like, something is up with this guy. Yeah. He like makes that excuse about like, Oh, I don't want to give you a sample that's been contaminated because we made out. And she's like, we did not make out. Right. Yeah. You need to chill. Yeah. Um, but when they cross the street, so she crosses the street, which also like, you know, I feel like she should have had maybe a harder time crossing the street, but fine. Right. But then he crosses the street and every time they showed like his view, that's what my vision is like without glasses or contacts. Yeah. I can't, if I took my contacts out right now, my laptop is maybe like, I don't know, three feet in front of me. I would not be able to see you. Like if you were like, put the volume up, I'd be like, I can't see anything. Oh, wow. So him crossing the street, I was like, do you be dead? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, I guess, you know, the people driving the cars presumably can see um, and are avoiding him. But it I just I don't know. That scene gave me such anxiety. <laughs> no, I agree. It gives me anxiety, too. And I think the same t- thing every time I see it, I'm always like, there's no way you would make it across that street without getting demolished by a car, yeah. an oncoming car, because they're going by so fast. And he, and you're right. Like he can't see anything. And she's just standing there like, la la la. And first of all, why did you park there on like the busiest road? Right. Or there's nowhere. I mean, in the future, they don't have crossing walks or anything like that. Come on. I know. <laughs> but I mean, again, it's, it seems like, you know, I don't even think right. Vincent wasn't even supposed to live as for as long as he did. So he's already cheated death you know, several times, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, sort of, um, on brand with, with True. his life. Like right. he, he's like living on borrowed time. Right. Yeah. So it, it, you know, for the sake of the story and what Vincent represents, of course, he's going to make it across the street because his character is supposed to be living proof that this whole system that has been manufactured because of these scientific advances is complete bogus. Yeah. But I, but I agree. I think in in real life, he'd be dead. There's no, Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) myself, if I tried to cross a busy highway without the use of my contact lenses or glasses, that would be the end of me. Yeah. I'm not going to try that though. No, please don't. I will not. I like having you around. Yeah, I'll need you. I would call you and you would come hold my hand. Right. Totally. Um, I I want to come back to Irene because I know we talked a little bit before about how the, the or this question about how is it that she's able to work at Gattaca. I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more to her character. Yeah. You know, like I feel like her character was part of. 
I, I kind of wish that no, especially when we learned that, you know, she is, you know, flawed in some way because of this heart condition that she has that they don't really get into too much detail about. It's sort of like mentioned in passing. And then I think Vincent feels a very strong connection with her because of that, Mm -hmm. even though he can't tell her why. Um, But seeing how he triumphs at the end, I wish that there could have been something like that for her. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, I'm going to go into space. I'll be gone for a year. Okay. I'll wait for you. You know, Mm -hmm. like, but what, but what's going to happen to her? Like how, like, does his story, does his victory, um, like affect change in her life in some way, other than the fact that now she has a boyfriend, you know what I mean? So I kind (laughs) of, I kind of wish there was a little bit more to her, especially when you have Uma Thurman, you know, know. who's incredible. Um, I, I, that, that was one thing that, you know, thinking about it after this viewing was a little disappointing to me. Yeah. I wonder, and I only thought of this during this conversation. I wonder if like her thing is that she breaks out of the mold of most Gattaca people who like have no flexibility in the way that they think about other people. Mm -hmm. Um, but she is like, you know, she covers for him, even though she knows that this is happening, but I don't know. I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready? (laughs) You say it, you say it. Let's say the same thing at the same time. Okay. (laughs) Are we ready for categories? I'm ready for categories. All right. So this is my favorite part of the episode. I think of all of our episodes. Um, This is when Gina and I go over a number of categories and see if we have matching answers. And if we do, we get a point. And every time we score a multiple of 20, I get to choose a film. So in our last episode where we discussed um, Clue, I was like, what was the name of that movie? I was wondering, I was like, what was our last episode? (laughs) That movie, Clue. Um, We scored two points. So we have a total of 52 points. So there is a potential if we um, sweep every category here, we have eight categories, we would get to 60. Um, and not only would we get to 60, we'd have to take a shot. I don't foresee that happening, but Hey, you never know. You never know. You got to be ready for anything. So you, you get to pick a movie know. and we take a shot mm-hmm. in our next episode. Yeah. If we get eight points, which if we get eight points, I don't know if we will. I don't think we will. We probably won't, but that's okay. That's okay. It's all, it's all in the fun of discussing the film. Exactly. Um, And Sonia, you're first this time. I am. And I will reference my last point where I started talking about uh, Irene's character and, you know, maybe her arc is her being this like advanced person because she accepts um, Vincent for who he is, despite his flaws, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, (laughs) the reason I think that that's not true is because my favorite character was Dr. Lamar. Oh my God. Yours too. Yes. Oh, shut up. I will not shut up. Get out of here. I will not get out of here. Well, my favorite character was Dr. Lamar. Um, because I loved that he, especially the scene at the end where he's like, you know, I know your secret, but it's fine. You can go anyway. My son looks up to you. Uh, also, I love Xander Berkeley, mm-hmm. that actor in general. Um, so even if that character was not 
as charming and lovely as he was, there's a good chance I would have chosen him anyway. Um, But yeah, I mean, his character just like seemed like the most like real person in the entire film. Yeah. I, I commented in my notes about how I, I like the irony of his character because, because of what he does, I think that he's essentially the gatekeeper of Gattaca, right? For because sure. he's the one who's always running the urine samples and the blood samples. So, and that being said, he, you know, he lets Vincent carry on with his charade because even though he is this gatekeeper, he doesn't, we learn at the end, doesn't buy into this whole illegal hiring practice that the company subscribes to. So I think that um, I really love that reveal at the end, you know, where, where he's like, by the way, you know, right-handed people don't hold it with their left, <laughs> which is, you know, fun fact. I didn't know that. No, um, neither. But, and, and it's like that seed is kind of planted in the beginning and, you know, something else that I like about this film, it's a good film to rewatch knowing, you know, knowing that piece about Dr. Lamar and also about Anton and going back and watching it and you see how it's not whenever Anton disagrees with detective Hugo, he's not doing it because he thinks Hugo's an idiot. Like he knows, he realizes that he needs to protect his brother. Oh, interesting. So that's why he's pushing him off of the scent, which I think is a, is really, you know, in a lot of ways, a testament to is, is a test. Lauren Dean is a, it's a testament to Lauren Dean's performance because you can read it in those two different ways. Hmm. So there, there's an interesting layer there that you don't see until you know that he's really Vincent's brother. Um, and then there are all these other little pieces of the puzzle that are, you know, planted like Anton um, when he's swimming in that, um, I don't know what you call it, like a, um, what, like a treadmill kind of pool there's, there's a scene where he's doing that and he's, you know, and he's swimming against his Kurt. So we have that swimming element, but we oh, wouldn't right. necessarily make that connection um, with him swimming there. And then him and Anton having that weird, like chicken game that they would play mm-hmm. in the ocean, which by the way, is like, even Lee said it, he's like, that's incredibly dangerous. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe you. Have the same. I felt like my answer was so random. Oh no, no. I totally, I am totally with you. Hands down my favorite. Um, my least favorite character. I had trouble with this one, but, and I just, I just talked about Anton, but I chose Anton as my least favorite character. Okay. And I did because um, I, I, here's the thing. I feel like even though, you know, once we, once we learn that he is Vincent's brother, and I, like I said, if you rewatch it, you see him throwing Hugo off of the scent because he doesn't want Vincent to get arrested for murder. I feel like even though he does that, he still sees Vincent as lesser than, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's something that is so frustrating to me you know, I, because I, and I guess that's just, and obviously like for the story, it makes more sense for Anton to embrace his, um, the, I guess like his, um, like his, his station in life, right? Like he's, you know, he's genetically engineered. He, he was given his father's name. 
he is the one that is going to live a great life and achieve great things. And his older brother, nah, maybe he'll live to be 30 because he might have a heart condition. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and he buys into that. And I, even at the very end, when Vincent saves him a second time, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like there's just not enough of a shift in him. Like I, I, maybe I just needed more closure with that. Yeah. It's weird. Cause he kind of just disappears. Right. Yeah. Like he, you know, how are you able to do this? And, and Vincent says, I never saved anything for this, for the swim back. And then, and then he rescues Anton, brings him back to shore, but then that's it, you know? So it, it's almost like, I wish there was something after that, that would give that some closure because Vince, you know, at that point, Anton is, he still doesn't get it. Yeah. You know, like maybe all of these predictors were just wrong, even though they were probabilities, they weren't definites and, mm-hmm. and you're still like, you still don't see your brother as greater than he was led to believe he would be, um, and led to believe that you thought he would be like, he can't seem to get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we see him fully embrace that. At least I personally don't feel that. Yeah. So, and I was, frustrating for me. Um, so he, for that reason, he was my least favorite character. That's a good answer. Cause yeah. Like what is the, what was the point of any of that? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Um, well, we are not going to get eight points. No, that's okay. Um, but my answer was, is sort of a little bit of a grouping of characters, but mine is all the Gattaca cops. Okay. Or like chasing down the invalids. Like what's your deal? Just let people be. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say about it. No, you're absolutely right. And I think this film like really like puts that question out there. Like, why do we give a shit? Yeah. <laughs> why? Right. I, I mean, that's why I think that even though it's about Genoism, like it's also, I mean, it's about racism, you know, mm-hmm. it's about so many mm-hmm. different things. Um, you know, why, why do we ascribe these stereotypes and these, um, these negative feelings towards people just because so what, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just stop. (laughs) Just stop. Just stop. I like that answer. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So for best character arc, I chose Eugene or Jerome. Mm -hmm. Um, And not that his character arc is the happiest or the most satisfying, but it's the one that I feel actually has a resolution to it. And you kind of also know his entire story. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you get a lot of Victor's story. You see, you know, he tells you when he was born on the Riviera in Detroit Mm -hmm. Um, and you see him finally achieve his his dream and go to space. But then- it's unclear what happens after that. Like, is it what he was expecting? Is, does he come home and then he's with Irene? Um, and again, you mentioned with Anton, like you sort of see his whole life story. He's chasing his brother. He's trying to find his brother. Then he finds his brother and then he just disappears. Um, so I liked that with Eugene, you really truly, like you don't see his upbringing, but you kind of understand. Um, but then you see him go through a struggle. You understand 
the struggle and then you see how he ultimately decides to resolve his struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I chose him. I also chose him. Oh my God. I know. I, for, for, for all the reasons that you said, I agree. I think that his story has closure. I, what I felt was that we, we see at the beginning how unsatisfied he is with his station in life. I, you know, like you had mentioned how invalids probably have more freedom because they don't have expectations to live up to, Yeah, but Jerome Eugene, he, he has very high expectations that he has to live up to and, and he can't, you know, he gets a silver medal in a, in a swim competition and it destroys him because he's not supposed to, he's not a second place person. He's, he's gold medal all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we, and then we learned that he, the reason why he's in a wheelchair was because he stepped in front of a moving car. He wasn't hit by a car. You know, he wanted to die because he couldn't handle that pressure. Um, and, and we, so we see that, we see that bitterness, that resentment, um, and, and he's, and he's difficult in the beginning, but I think at the end, he makes peace with, with his, with his life, with his, you know, with what he has been given and, and where he is. And he, I think he feels at the end, like he had a purpose and his purpose was to help Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Achieve he's what- passing on like the best parts of him. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I felt in that way, because he, he comes to that realization and, you know, the last time he sees Vincent, he has that whole like refrigerator freezer full of urine and blood and skin and hair, you know, this will be enough to last you for years and years. And, um, you know, so like you said, I like, I like what you said about he's, he's given the best of himself to Vincent. Um, so it, it, you know, he's, he's ready to move on, but not because he feels worthless because he feels like he was worth something to somebody. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, for worst or least convincing performance. It's funny because we talked about how Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman ended up getting together during the making of this film, Mm -hmm. but I picked for worst or least convincing performance when Vincent and Irene kiss for the first time, because (laughs) it just, I heard in my notes, it just looks like he's trying to eat her face. (laughs) It does. I thought that too. Right. And I was like, well, this is a little much. It wasn't the best on-screen kiss I've ever seen. And then a part of me was wondering though, like, was he like so into her that when they finally got to film this, he was just like, went way too overboard. I definitely had that. And then the director was like, that's it. That's the take. Yeah. (laughs) Because that is how your character is feeling. But it was really... I, I agree. It was not a great kiss. Right. I mean, and I, I want to buy into it because I get it. There's definitely this tension. They're very attracted to each other. We get the sense that it's been an attraction that's been lingering for an extended period of time now. And now there's, you know, she's, she's made herself vulnerable to him by sharing with him her heart condition. And, and then when they're, when they're, you know, when they flee from the restaurant and, there, she has this realization like, oh, who the fuck are you? You know? And, but they're like, it's kind of like, even though she's like, who are you? So that sort of brings them together because she realized, oh, maybe he's not 
maybe he's more like me than I realized. And of course, like I get it, but it was just, I don't know. I feel like they could have done better. Yeah. I also like just, just to just comment about that scene because like, so they're like in this alley, they have that kiss and then like they're being chased by the cops. Presumably the cops are going to like swarm that area and search it. How do they get away? Because the next scene you see is them in bed together. Right. How did they get away? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, well, I chose a, a woman by the name of, so I will just say, I'm not sure if this was the performance or if it was just bad writing, uh-huh. um, but apparently there's a woman in the scene where Victor is first being born, Vincent, mm-hmm. Vincent, Vincent. Uh-huh. I've called him Victor so many times. Have you really? I think so. I didn't even notice it. I think I said Victor in my summary. Oh no. Are you going to lose sleep over this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Victor. It's Vincent. It's Vincent. Everybody. It's Vincent. Oh <laughs> I didn't God. even notice that you were calling him by the wrong name. Oh that's how shot I am. <laughs> well, that's how shot I am. That I have the wrong <laughs> name of the, Oh my God. Oh, delete this whole episode. Okay. Vincent, <laughs> Vincent. Vincent. Luckily, I feel like most people like this isn't a movie where everyone listening is going to be like, I've seen Gattaca a hundred times. His name is Vincent, but you've said yeah. Vincent. Anyway, when Vincent was born, there was a person who's credited as head nurse mm-hmm. and she is played by Una Damon. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, I had no idea who the head nurse was. They all seem to be <laughs> nursing at the same capacity. I think she's the one that reads off Vincent's like genetic code. Well, maybe she called him Victor and she is not. The head and it's nurse. her fault. <laughs> oh my God. I said Victor in the summary. We can always like re-record that if you want me to. No, it's okay. This is kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that is my least convincing performance. Now for best performance, um, I chose Jude Law. As did Gina. I did too. Um, I think he was incredible. He, his character and his portrayal of his character, he plays everything. He's like a mix of charming, insecure, super confident, totally hopeless. Like he plays ecstatic. He plays happy. He plays horribly depressed. He plays mad. He plays like, he just, his character does so much. Yeah. And he does a really great job. I, I completely agree. I wrote in my notes. I, I thought he hit all the right beats and emotional highs and lows. I think, I think, I think it was just a really stellar performance, honestly. Um, and I also, I, 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 okay. So I was listening to an office ladies podcast recently and Jenna Fisher was talking about how, um, she, she always admires actors who can multitask while they're acting. Like Mm -hmm. if they're given like certain things that they should be doing while they're acting, like cutting up vegetables or whatever. Um, and, and like having that in the back of my mind, I was really paying attention to how well he was maneuvering around in a wheelchair and how like very well synchronized and choreographed all of that was I just I you know honestly I and I know it's kind of or even just when he's like crawling up the stairs and he can't lose his that was really good you know there are just so many moments where because you know he's not really um uh paraplegic but 
um, he has the use of his legs, but I thought he did a really good job of playing someone who did not. Um, yeah. So, Amazing. oh man. Okay. Um, you lost me at, I mentioned this earlier. So, and Lee had mentioned that I was thinking it when we were watching the movie and then Lee said it out loud and I totally agreed with him. And this was my, you lost me at. So in the near future, people can just get you know, launched into space without the usual protocol that exists today. Like normally you have to quarantine for a certain amount of time. Um, you know, so I wrote my notes, you just wake up in the morning, put on a black suit and walk through a tunnel that has a very like giving birth uh, symbolism, by the way, like walking through these like fallopian tubes or the uterus into, into a giant, whatever. Um, and then you sit in a chair and you get launched into space. Like, that's it. That's, that's how it goes. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. That was, I was just kind of like, come on. And that was why when I read that thing about how, you know, workers from NASA voted this, the most realistic science fiction film, that was where I was like, really? (laughs) Well, I wonder maybe if you have perfect genetic makeup, you can. And then I wonder if, um, because Vincent, not Victor, mm-hmm. actually doesn't. If maybe when he goes to space, he's going to die because he even says, like, I'm having a hard time leaving Earth, but maybe I'm going home because he's dying. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I just made that up right now. Well, what's what's the saying? We were all we all came from stardust or something like that. Something, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines, something along those lines. Um, okay. Well, my, you lost me at was so presumably Jerome Eugene is like a pretty well-known swimmer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he gets in this accident, which is not really an accident. And then he basically goes to Vincent and Vincent Jerome Mm -hmm. and says, why don't you be me instead? So I feel like he is maybe like maybe he's not like a Michael Phelps, but Mm -hmm. it seems like he's like maybe a kind of well-known swimmer. Yeah. So if, if Vincent is going to then be him, shouldn't he have had an English accent too? I mean, that's a really, that's a good point. I have a few, I have a few ideas or responses to that. Mm-hmm. And then I have a second, I have a part two of my lost man. Okay. Um, the first one is that they originally wanted Johnny Depp to play that role. Okay. But he was, he was committed to another film. The to second, play Jude Law's role? Right. To play Jude Law's role. Okay. So they were like, uh, whatever. Yeah. So they were like, ah, he's got an English accent, whatever. Okay. Um, but the other, the other thought is that there's, there's a moment in the story where Vincent is having doubts about this plan working mm-hmm. and he's saying like, they're, they're going to know it's not going to work. They're going to know it's me. And Eugene keeps saying they're, they're not going to care. They're just going to see your DNA. Like they're like, he was basically, they're not going to care whether or not you look like this picture. They're just going to see it, the DNA. That's all they care about. Hmm. Yeah. So Which- I feel like that was like, that was part of the whole, maybe like that was put in there to sort of like 
suspend some of that disbelief. Like, wait a second, wouldn't everybody know who this guy is? Yeah. Which does answer. Cause my second thing was like that idea that they had, mm-hmm. um, which apparently I guess it's like they put, they merged pictures of the two of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. However, it doesn't look like Ethan Hawke at all. <laughs> Or like at all. Yeah. Or, um, or Jude Law. <laughs> it, I think it looks slightly more like Jude Law than yeah. Ethan Hawke. Like Ethan Hawke has such a distinct look and it just like looked like some weird, like not human version of, I don't know. It, <laughs> yeah. was, not, it was not good. Well, and it's funny because every other time I've seen the film, I, every time I saw the picture, I thought, oh, it's Jude Law, but it kind of looks like Ethan Hawke. And this was the first time watching it where I thought, wait, did they just do like, a mashup of their faces in this picture. And then I read that they did. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, um, my, you had me at, Mm -hmm. I loved that the movie is described as in the not so distant future. Mm -hmm. Um, because then that way you're not, you know, you don't get to that point of like, that was 20 years ago. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about our conversation at the end of the last episode, we like talked for two seconds about like, what year was the Jetsons? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that this doesn't have a year assigned to it because you could presumably watch it at any point and it's the not so distant future. And then I also loved that it was made in the late nineties, but it looks very much like the fifties. So it's mm-hmm. like, sort of like, I feel like that was almost on purpose to be like, we're going to disorient you anyway. So when you watch this film, you can have an experience where it could feel like the future, even if you're already watching this way far in the future. I thought that yeah. was really clever. Oh, I love that answer. You're right. And we talked a little bit in the beginning about how that aesthetic makes the film more timeless. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. Like not attributing a time stamp. Yeah. to it, I think also lends to that idea. No, I love that. Thank you. And especially because like aesthetics come back into fashion. So like at some point, everyone's going to be dressing like it's the fifties again anyway. So I like, know. And when you watch the movie at that point, you're going to be like, oh my God, that is the future. Right. Yeah. I love it. Um, my, you had me at was the musical score. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the, I love the music in this film. Um, it was composed by Michael Nyman, um, who also scored music for the piano and ravenous. Have you seen either of those movies? Nope. Never saw them. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wait, what was the first one? <laughs> the piano. Okay. Nope. Never saw them. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love the film and I, and part of it might be that, that like, I would listen to this music, you know, separately from the film. I just think it's so beautiful. I, I think mm-hmm. the, the, the theme is, so haunting. And, um, I, I don't know, there's just, and, and also the, the piano score for the, <laughs> for the, the, the 12 fingered pianist, that piece can only be played by someone with 12 fingers. That made me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just thought the music was so, be- so beautiful. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah. All right. Um, my favorite line, the wind caught it. Oh, I almost picked that. I just love that line because I think that line says, I love that it's said twice Mm -hmm. and I love what it implies. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit about your DNA. I, I care about you. You know, I see you, I see beyond whether or not you're a valid or invalid. And, and, you know, maybe that goes back to that line I was talking about before, with Eugene, where he says, they're, they're not going to see you. They're just going to see the DNA. That's all they care about. And Vincent and Irene have a relationship where that's not what they see. They actually see what's 
really important. Like, and like what you said, what defines us is being human, that, that we are imperfect and flawed and that they embrace that in each other. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that line too. Yeah. This film had a lot of really great lines, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And like a lot of them are very much like, like wise sayings. Um, I think you mentioned one of them before about how Vincent said to Anton, like, you know how I did it. I didn't save energy or I didn't save anything for the swim back. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the line about what he's that he says at the end that maybe I'm going home. Like a lot of these are very deep lines that have a lot of meaning to them. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) the favorite line that I chose, because it made me laugh out loud. And then I also felt like it was like the perfect line because of our podcast Uh was when Jude Law, uh, Eugene says after uh, Vincent is like, oh my God, they found my eyelash. This is over. I'm screwed. (laughs) Eugene's response is, we have to get drunk immediately. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I love that. (laughs) I just love that line. It was hilarious. Oh, that's so great. All right. So we have scored three points and we're now at 55. Oh my gosh, five points away from you picking the movie. Mm-hmm. This is getting very exciting. This is getting, we are inching closer and closer. Closer and closer. Well, before I reveal what our next movie is going to be, do you have any final thoughts or comments about Gattaca? I think it was just, it was not at all what I was expecting. Um, but in some ways, I think that that's sometimes better, especially mm-hmm. when you are not a movie watcher. Um, to go in blindly Um, but definitely an enjoyable film and I would recommend it if you want to see a movie that will make you think I like it oh good well I'm so glad that you enjoyed it I did two in a row two in a row I am on a roll pressure's on oh my gosh all right well this next movie Sonia it has has a, a special place in my heart okay so but if you end up not liking it it's okay. But the next film that we're going to be watching, Jacob, tell me roll, please. 2012. Twins. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. <laughs> Sonia, what's it about? Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are twins, except they look nothing alike. So I think that they're not twins, but they're trying to scam somebody. And the only way that they can do it is by pretending they're twins, which pre episode friends connection is like that episode of friends where Joey hires that guy to be his twin. So he could do a twin study because he needs money. (laughs) Um, And that is my guess. And also, sorry, They think that the way that they're going to convince people that they're twins is by dressing the same. And they could be fraternal twins, but they look so wildly different that it's not believable. Okay. (laughs) I I actually like this plot summary. Thank you. Are you you implying you don't like my other plot summaries? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm, I guess I'm, what I'm, what I want to say is that you're, you're wrong about most of it, but, but it's, but I really enjoyed it. But it's a movie you would watch, <laughs> but it's a movie I would watch. Okay. 
I feel like that would be like if you and I tried to be twins. Oh my God. Well, do you know what? For Halloween one year, you know my friend Beth, mm-hmm. who's like a foot shorter than me. Yeah. So like me. one year in elementary school for Halloween, we dressed up as Siamese twins. Oh my God. So we got, so we had these, we are, and like, we like handmade our, and by we handmade our costume, like our, our moms did them. Uh-huh. Um, but we got like, so my mom bought this material for, um, some material for a top and material for pants. Uh-huh. And so they made these matching, uh, sweatshirts for us and then pants that had like, that came apart on this, on the, like the pant seam. Yeah. on like my left side and her right side. And then we could Velcro them together. Oh and then I took my arm and I put my arm down her sleeve and then we tied our ankles together. That seems like a really uncomfortable costume. You know what? It was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, um, but we were committed. Yeah. But, and what was funny was that we weren't in the same class. So it was only during like the Halloween parade at school Uh where we could actually show off our costume. And when we went trick-or-treating, Yeah. but we were, yeah. So anyway, that's my fun twins (laughs) story, which yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm excited that you're excited. I'm actually looking forward to this rewatch because I love me a good Arnold Schwarzenegger comedy. Right. I feel like Sean is going to be excited. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> well, if Sean's excited, that makes me happy because I feel like I've pissed him off with so many different movie choices <laughs> that I've had. And I'm sorry, Sean, it's, I'm not trying to be difficult. Um, I'm just throwing things out there, you know, mm-hmm. things to consider. You don't have to like it. Yeah. There's a lot I haven't seen. So, you know. right. Exactly. It just, you just never know what, what you're going to like. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll get into it next time. And that's the end of our episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at NNSIPod. And if you enjoy our podcast, tell your friends. They can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Like and subscribe and all the things. And join us next time with your cocktail at the ready when we talk about twins. We'll see you then because we've got lots more to watch. And I've seen nothing. So please keep listening. And we'll keep watching. Bye. Bye.